Hey, Inside the Mix podcast fans, it's Sarek here from HyperBits.com. We're a collective of producers that help artists sound as good or better than their favorite artists, and it's working. Our students have been streamed over 1 billion times on Spotify alone. And I just released a new track called Another Life featuring the vocals of Sam Welsh, which you can check out on Spotify as well. But right now, you are listening to the Inside the Mix podcast. Here's your host, Mark Matthews. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm Mark Matthews, your host, musician, producer and mix and mastering engineer. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists, music engineering and production, songwriting and the music industry. I've been writing, producing, mixing and mastering music for over 15 years and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hello folks and welcome back to the Inside the Mix podcast. If you are a new listener, do hit that subscribe button. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and that notification bell so you get notified when we release new episodes every Tuesday. So this episode, I am joined by Ollie, Melissa and also Dan of Pensacola Mist. Now, I interviewed Dan a number of episodes ago and this time I've got all three on board. So this is a fantastic episode. So we dive into the Pensacola Mist approach to live music in particular. So we look at the changes from their first show up until the most recent show and what has changed in terms of their live performance and what underpins their chemistry on stage. We then dive deeper into analysing their on-stage chemistry and how and what underpins that. So we look at the idea of trust on stage and confidence on stage. We dive a bit into their collaboration with the Martin Brothers. Do go check out episode 90 of the podcast uh, if you want to learn more about the Martin Brothers because I had the pleasure of interviewing or rather chatting with both of them and it's a fantastic episode. Also we look at tools that help musical performance so what tools are there or what tools do Pensacola Mist use in their live performance that they could not be without and that is a fantastic topic and one in particular if you are or you are planning to take your music on the road. We then talk about AI, artificial intelligence in the creative industries and what that might look like going forward. And also their opinions on AI and the current climate with regards to artificial intelligence. We then also discuss the idea of a live podcast episode. So that would be a live episode at a Pensacolumist gig at some point next year. So very exciting stuff. Um, That was a very on the fly discussion, but I love the idea of taking the podcast on the road at various live events or it could be a seminar or something like that and actually discussing and having conversations there and then so maybe that's something we'll do next year in 2024 we'll take the podcast on the road who knows maybe I'll even get an audience where we could have an audience and viewing these interviews that'd be amazing I'm I'm now thinking on the fly again so these are fantastic ideas I'm going to make a note of that folks so we also discussed the midnight and the midnight's influence on Pensacola Mist and in particular interactions with Tyler Lyle on Twitter And it was a really good conversation because we go into the whole idea of how you approach people on social media and how you network and how you build those connections and the Pensacolumist approach. So it's a really, really good topic of conversation if you struggle with networking and how to approach people online. So that's a really, really good topic of conversation in this episode. So folks, without further ado, let's dive into this episode. 
Hey folks, and in this episode, I'm very excited to welcome some returning guests or a guest and uh, his uh, collaborators as well. So uh, this is from episode 38. So today's guests are Pensacola Mist. So I spoke to Dan, yeah, it was episode 38, and I've been joined today by the uh, the full cohort. So I've got Dan, Ollie, and Mel joining me today. So exciting times. Oh, I've just clicked on someone on my iPad. This thing runs on Steam, man. Um, so Pensacola Mist, if you're not familiar, if you haven't listened to that episode, obviously listen to this one first and then go check that one later, um, ideally straight after this episode. So Pensacola Mist is fast becoming the UK's favourite synth-pop trio, known for their 80s-inspired powerhouse co-lead male vocals, larger-than-life light show, and electric onstage energy. Hello, Pensacola Mist. Thanks for joining me. And how are you all today? How are we? Hello. Hi. Great. Hello. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fantastic. Good. Love how it. Are you good? <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, just before the uh, we went and recorded this, we went live. We were just talking about Angry Birds, which is quite interesting. And uh, I'm not going to dig in and, and reveal to the audience who it is who is playing Angry Birds, but I didn't even think it was still going. It's um, not me. It's but not I don't know about you guys. <laughs> it's extremely hot down here. So I'm based in the southwest, and you guys are in Scotland, right? If I'm not mistaken, we are. Yeah, I'm in the northeast. I'm on the Berwick, the top of it. The- yeah, they're in Scotland and Edinburgh, and I'm in Berwick at the very top, the Tivoli top of the UK, so uh, of um, England, sorry, the, um, on the Lions side of the border. And it's not very warm today, but we did have a nice day yesterday, so that'll see us through for the next six months. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I always find with a podcast, I, I start talking about the weather, and I, I think it's become a thing now with the whole British thing, because right. I speak to people so far, all over the globe and stuff. I'm always intrigued what it's like where they are. It's a stunning day in Edinburgh today. Is it? I've got this. Yeah, I've it's, got this it's very sunny. Mm. Yeah, the UV <laughs> is high, so nice. sun cream on. <laughs> sun cream. That's you know not what? a joke. <laughs> I need a trip to Edinburgh. I'm going I'm to say it now. I've never actually been, and um, I've, I'm oh, amazed come. I've never been to Edinburgh. I know. I know, I know. Right, we'll check our calendars with you. When you're gigging. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a gig in Edinburgh when you have a free weekend so that you've got an excuse to come up as well and then we can go for it. Yeah, 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 that'd be amazing. Yeah. 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 How far south have you... We're going to dig... For the audience listening, we are going to dig into live performance of live music in Pensacola (laughs) Miss Live, but how far south have you come in terms of gigs? Brighton. Uh, We've we've gone the very very south. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did Brighton in the tour last November. Uh, we played with Young Empress and Infraviolet down in, down in Brighton. Uh, that was our I last day of our tour. Centers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's right. Yeah. For the, I was uh, I was in Brighton uh, only a few days ago. It's uh, it's a lovely place, lovely place, and it was extremely hot. Yeah. Come back to the weather again. That's cool. I, it'd be great to because um, I think I messaged you a while back about Bristol. I think you guys would go down so well, like coming. We were looking at venues in Bristol for the last hand. tour. We looked at venues um, and couldn't quite get mm. the dates because we did it so short notice. And then we were planning another tour for May that fell apart and we had one lined up in Bristol. So Bristol, next time we get on a tour, Bristol will will definitely be there. We'll be on the list. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, you go down so well. Though. I was at a synth gig there recently um, and it was Isle Nine, Zach Vortex and a few mm-hmm. others playing. Oh, amazing. And, uh, it was a day gig and it was brilliant. Yeah, they've got so many cool venues there. So many cool venues. Um, All day, Having lived there for a while, it was. Uh, it's, it's a great city as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that'd be brilliant. I'm surprised there's nothing on at the moment. So far as I'm aware, I could be wrong. There's nothing planned there at present. Oh, because I mean, I know that they're doing those all days, and I'd love to get involved. 
um, in those. But uh, but I've I've been thinking as part of my brain of going, yeah, well, I just need more to do. Going, I think Scotland needs a big all day synth fest in Glasgow. So I've been kind of half planning who would be on the lineup for that one. And it's like I really don't need to do that right now. But I mean, it would be lovely to see something kind of represented there. We can maybe do a tour that way where you've got an all day that goes to four or five locations. I'm making the project bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Aim high, aim high, isn't it? Yeah, that's the way to do it. That'd be cool, though. I know there's a few artists in Scotland that are regularly on the on the podcast. So you got uh, Russell Nash, and there's, there's Neon Highway as well, and Blockhouse oh, yeah. as well. Who's shout out to Blockhouse actually, who's now helping with the Facebook community. So I must give him a big shout out to go and check out his work. But um, yeah, there's there's a quite. A, a, a big scene in in Scotland, so it kind of makes sense to have it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We saw the midnight there um, this year and last year too. We all went as a band out in see our musical heroes, and just that the audiences mm. were huge and they're packed. And so there is there is something there for for that. You know, there absolutely is a market up there to to do something. So yeah, whether it's us or someone else, I'm hoping that there'll be something. We'll be right back. So I've got a hunch about a common struggle we all face, mastery. If you're an independent artist or music producer, you've probably encountered the frustration of masters that just don't hit the mark, right? They lack balance and refuse to play nicely across different devices and environments. Ever found yourself wondering, why don't my masters sound like my references? Perhaps you've spent countless hours attempting to master your tracks only to be unsatisfied with the results. Maybe you've tried every Silver Bullet plugin or even dabbled in AI. Or perhaps you're already working with an engineer, but you're eager to explore different possibilities. Well, here's the solution you've been searching for, Synth Music Mastering. I'm offering a game-changing opportunity with a one-time free test master for a limited time. Picture elevating your music with my unwavering commitment to quality and a personalized touch that you just don't get with the big mastering studios. The best part, it won't cost you a penny. Just submit your finished mix and let's see how we can transform your music together. Don't let mastering be a mystery any longer. Say goodbye to the frustration and step into a world of sonic excellence. Grab your free test master now, click the link in the episode description, or head over to synthmusicmastering.com. Yeah, find a way to reach all those people because, like you said, when we went to see The Midnight, at both occasions in Glasgow, um, the, the pool is just like so big so it's trying to kind of rope those people in to be like if you like the midnight i'm sure you'll like us and (laughs) yeah build up an engagement that way yeah i I saw your post with regards to the midnight because obviously your music and your live show would fit in so well on a midnight show Um, and it reminds me when i was in a band and you see these artists you're like they're they're there and they're they're kind of like that's where you want to go and it's finding that bridge in between isn't it of how like Mm -hmm. who do you contact how do you get to support that artist yeah yeah it's really hard to do and this was years ago that i was doing it but how do you approach this is going to totally off tangent now how do you approach that how do you reach out to those larger artists so like me personally, so like when I started working with Dan and Oliver and kind of getting into this whole scene, I was totally like kind of new um, to everything in every aspect. Um, and so I had that same thought because when um, they'd asked me to do Sex and Violence and then that was released on their Want to Believe album, I was then also really, really wanting to push that because I was so proud of that of that song and to be part of that. So I was also in that same boat of 
how do I get people to listen to this? How how do I how do I do that? And so I kind of went down this synth rabbit hole of like finding all these like artists and and people and I was just um probably a bit brash and a bit cheeky and um <laughs> I would just sit on Instagram and just direct message people and be like hey listen to this um and I just kind of thought I've got nothing to lose because either they don't open the message or they don't respond um or they do and in fairness um I've I have managed to network with a few people now um which has been great for us because um I like I I wouldn't be able to do anything without without Dan and Oliver really um and so like for me personally that's that's how I've kind of reached out and we have we have landed a couple of collaborations from that like with the the Martin brothers um, mm. and then we ended up you know that led to then doing a music video on things so uh, for me personally it was just being a bit a bit cheeky and thinking oh well Either they respond or they don't, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to lose. Yeah, we, we when we saw the midnight were coming um, to coming back this year, um, we'd, we'd when we'd all seen them collectively last year, we saw the support and we thought this is either going to light a fire under our bellies to say we can do it, we we'd be a good fit for this, or we'd see an amazing thing and go ah okay we're we've still got a, a way to go and we left going with all the respect to the band that were there, we thought I you know I feel like there's a better mesh of of us and and the midnight if we were to get to do it, so they announced quite quickly the midnight that they were going to do a follow up tour and um, I saw they didn't have uh, support announced for that one yet, so. Um, I thought this is it. Let's try and get on the radar a bit. I put some calls out on social to say if you think we'd be a good fit, it'd be great if you could help us try and get their attention. And and I was really touched because a lot of people tweeted them and tagged them on Instagram and and put out all the message and, and underneath on Twitter of the the tour announcement, they were all saying Pensacola Miss would be great to support this. And yeah. you know, fingers crossed, you never know what was going to work. Um, ultimately, it didn't necessarily turn into something on that occasion, but every little bit that might get on someone's radar is just another little check so nothing yeah. none of that is wasted time it was really heartening to hear people supporting of us and and being so helpful to us and obviously um felt like they believed in us or that they uh, cared about us enough to to pretend that they believe in us and uh and and just yeah we'll see what happens down the line but it's it, it's you know this it's the internet brings everyone so close together but you can be reminded mm. how it's a massive void and it's just hard to reach people if you don't have that mm. direct line sometimes but Melissa's method of being kind of like brash is good. <laughs> yeah, no, as soon as we like need to do anything, I'm like, don't worry, guys, I'll just, I'll just, because I'm, I'm a nobody and it's like, no, it's not going to matter. Um, but you're right, like Dan said, having that pool of support that time was so great. And even if it just leads to, you know, people retweeting, if that then goes on some like the right person's timeline and they click a link mm. and like you know all these like tiny things it just needs to kind of land in the right place and I guess it's a bit of luck as well but um you know even if Tyler or Tim were to even favorite something or I I think there was there was one video and we were like oh, Tyler's seen this Tyler's seen this yeah 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 we we had the tour trailer for November we had a trailer for the tour in November and we would um because people leave it quite late to book tickets anyway and it was our first tour I was having kittens yeah. about thinking is anyone going to be there at this thing and time was was going on and the ticket sales were still fairly you know modest and so we put out that put that out and put a call out to to Tyler on on Twitter and asked if he would retweet it and uh, he did and that was incredible because you know just that little bit, he retweeted it to his people. You know, I don't know whether that, how many people that that 
went out to. But again, it's another little step of just hopefully getting on a radar that we'd that we'd love to, you know, I just think as a career goal for us, if we open for them, I think we could say, right, well, we can just take 10 years off now because, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know how we'll it just gets go to bed and be personally. like, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to see here. Yeah. Good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that, that cheeky approach. And uh, <laughs> I think it works really well. And it's, it's something that I do now with the podcast because it's interesting you mentioned Tyler because I saw he followed the podcast. And I immediately just went on Google, uh, Google on Instagram uh, DMs and I recorded an audio message and I was just like, hey, Tyler, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you fancy jumping on the podcast, I was a bit more diplomatic and a bit more formal in my <laughs> approach. But and <laughs> I do the exact yeah, I do the exact same. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'll just DM them, see what happens, because yeah. the worst that could happen is they ignore it um, or I don't know. They maybe block you. Yeah, the worst is they block spam. you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be so embarrassing. <laughs> like, we can't can imagine supporting the midnight and then realizing that Tyler's actually got me blocked for spamming his direct messages. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it would be quite funny though. In the, in the same breath, it's kind of like it's not a, not a life goal, not a career goal. But I know what you mean. There are things like with the podcast where there are certain guests where I'm like, if I get them on, I'll just stop after that. Yeah. You kind of like uh, yeah. hit that pinnacle. Now, I'm not entirely sure who that would be. Uh, maybe that's one I'll have a think about. But yeah, that cheeky approach definitely works. And I think it's great for the audience as well to to hear that and just think, just reach out, just reach out. Because like you say, the, the worst that could happen is they'll just say no or they just ignore it. And the audience power as well. If you combine that with audience power mm-hmm. and have that behind you, that catalyst to, to propel and move you forward. Because I think there's like a... There's a statistic in a the seven touch points, so you need to like have someone see something seven times for them to then take action. Ah. I'm not saying that's going to happen every I'll time. I'll send seven messages. But it's certainly something that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just send seven over over sort of seven people, weeks. People do happens. reply though. I've had um, so there's a singer who I discovered more recently. Um, they're called uh, Mint Simon, um, and they do a lot of collabs with. Um, all the damn vampires um and i absolutely just love love that album like for me that's one of my favorite synth albums um and then i started diving into their their catalog now of like their releases and they've just done a recover um recover cover of you get what you give and i just thought you know what i love this so much i'm just gonna message them and tell them how much i love their voice and i did and they responded um just you know to say oh thank you i'm so glad you enjoyed that but i was like that's no harm done either. Like, yeah. I love it when people tell me nice things. So what's the harm in bigging, out some, bigging up someone else, especially when you love love their stuff? So, um, But yeah, they, people do reply. And if they don't, I just delete the message so I don't feel embarrassed that I sent it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got loads of those on the Instagram for the podcast. Not that I'm spammy, but uh-huh. I just look through and I'm just like, yeah, no reply, no reply, no mm. reply. But anyhow, it's it, it happens, you know. Like you say, if you've got to put yourself out there, and it it kind of mirrors the conversation I had with Michael Oakley before Christmas, where because you mentioned it earlier about like hitting that that pinnacle, and I've um, also messaged and Michael. And he said like you could. <laughs> have you? He's, yeah. he's, he usually gets back very 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 quickly. He did. He's a, he's a really really nice guy. Yeah, he did. I was yeah. like, love your songs. Really really nice. <laughs> because then, because um, he's he's from Scotland, isn't he? Yeah, he's lived. Is it, he is. He's living in the states. I want to say. I think is he in Canada? He might be in Canada. I think where he was from, because I heard bagpipes on one of his track, and was like, "Hang on a minute." And then, <laughs> <laughs> I 
So I messaged and he was like, yeah, I'm actually from Scotland too. And I thought, great, there's a connection. You just never know what's going to happen in the future. Hmm. Mm, mm. And it, or his cats. He's got, I know he's, he's, he's very yeah. fond of his cats as well, as uh-huh. um, one of the audience listeners pointed out. So <laughs> I had to ask a question about his cats. Uh, but he, he was saying that like a lot of artists will get to that point whereby they're, they're at the cusp of like kicking on and just breaking through, but then they fall short because they're thinking, actually, I'm never going to get there. So mm-hmm. it's one of those ones where you just got to, like you say, be cheeky, use that audience leverage and just keep pushing through. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's easier to do it now. I remember when I was in a band and we would just message everyone, all these big artists, mm-hmm. these, these metal bands that we wanted to play with and stuff and invariably wouldn't hear anything back or just it was metal as well so they, they could be quite harsh about yeah. our music but <laughs> hey, hey oh, you know um but i think it's much more forgiving in the synth arena when oh it yeah comes well, to since people are so friendly yeah. like the community is really generally very friendly there's very little drama and if there ever is drama everyone seems to know about it and it goes away after a day or two it's like it's just such a fleeting thing so people are really friendly back um but and and I mean I know that that we're saying about getting in touch with people and kind of using that cheeky approach. But much like you, when you're asking podcast guests, we're quite discerning still about people that we really do want to have a connection with because we feel genuinely that there's something that we can have in common or that's that we could work together well with. And um, it's just about trying to get in front of their eyes because there's so much. You know, there's just so much out there that um, that it's easy to be absolutely flooded by by content and by things there. So having to kind of go up and, and, and try and push to the front of the queue sometimes uh, is the only way. But yeah, we, 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 we try and tackle it in a, in a most respectful as, as possible way, but also, you know, as yeah. I say, picking people that we genuinely feel that we've got some connection to that, that would work well with. I think you have to be discerning as well. Like you say, when you're making these connections and you're reaching out to people because you can easily get overwhelmed, I found. I remember when I was starting out doing promotion um, as an artist and stuff, and you just be messaging people just, left, right and centre and it can get a bit overwhelming so I think you do have to be discerning when you're choosing those that you want to network with specifically when you start those conversations as well because if you've got multiple conversations going on mm-hmm. that that can be like a part-time job in itself just monitoring those conversations you know so yeah. I totally echo that in terms of how you need to be discerning with who you're talking to and who you're approaching and mm-hmm. and I don't want to use a business terminology. I know that I did this off air, but it's got to be something that if you're watching this in live, you kind of want, it needs to move that needle a bit for you, you know, and, and help you kick on. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's um, fantastic advice. Uh, folks, I've realized we haven't actually chatted about <laughs> any live music yet. We're almost 20, <laughs> right, 20 yeah. minutes in. Um, I, I always do this. I go off on tangents <laughs> all the time. What I wanted to start off with, which I thought would be quite a cool question, was maybe if casting your mind back, because we're talking about live music, to the, like, the first Pensacola Mist live show with all three of you and how that looks now. What, what is the biggest difference between the first live show and, say, for example, the recent one you did in Newcastle? Uh, is it pronounced Clooney? I hope I got yeah, that yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Should have checked that off there. <laughs> um, yeah, what's the biggest difference between the, that first show for, with the three of you and like compared to the most recent one? I remember it was it was actually not long after the second lockdown and so there were a lot of restrictions in place um, and Dan and Oliver had... Um, I wasn't a, like officially a part of the band by that point but I was working with them quite a lot, um, which was great and they had asked me if I would want to perform Sex and Violence live as well as some harmonies for some other songs um, and I was like, absolutely, yes, um, because I come from like a, a performing arts background. So 
um, with everything being shut down for so long, the opportunity just to kind of be on a stage and performing live again, um, absolutely. Um, so, but that was in, I think it was June, 5th of June, I think that was um, two years ago. I think it was 20. Oh, wow. Was it's coming up to anniversary then. It was on 4th of June. Yeah. 4th of June today. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So, so that was great. But, um, but because of the restrictions, um, so it was at the radio rooms in Berwick and... Um, people had to be seated, so you couldn't stand up, you couldn't really dance along. Um, so that in itself was quite daunting because, you know, the kind of music that that Pensacola Mist makes, you know, it's it's very, you know, up on your feet. It's so much fun. And so to have people sitting and watching <laughs> that was a little bit, I suppose, awkward. Um, but I would say, I think for me personally, the difference between that gig and then the most recent one we did is I think we've always had really good band chemistry, um, like right from the first meeting. So that was like really good. We all know that we could work together really collaboratively and really well. Um, but I think definitely confidence um, and it's just grown. It's grown with each show and just how we work together. And we've tried to kind of level up every single live performance so we always look back and debrief and pull it apart what could we do better what worked really well mm. what can we try next time and so much of what we do as well because um you know well before Oliver moved to Edinburgh uh, the guys were in Berwick and um it was a lot of commuting so actual being able to practice together in in the room as a three was almost not possible. So everything we would do if the show was starting at seven, we would be doing um, a sound check from 12 o'clock because that was also the time that we had to work together and practice and actually practice. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, so yeah, but I, I think the biggest thing for, for, for me, from my perspective is the confidence between that first show and to, to what what we have now it's just um it's evolved so much in such a, such a short space of time and we have done a lot of gigs between then um but actually you could probably still count them like well on two hands I was gonna say on one hand on two hands but it's actually in the grand scheme of things that's not a lot of gigs to have come as far as we have so I'm always really really proud mm. proud of that yeah, we do. We uh, we record each each gig generally just with a phone, and we watch it back in a sort of. I mean, there's two there's two ways people kind of do this in in everything in in sports and things. You hear this a lot as well. And some people like to go back and kind of dissect what they did, and others don't want to see it because whatever reason they'll put them off. They just need to mentally focus on the next thing. But I think we we do like to go back just even once, skim through it, see what felt like it worked, what maybe didn't work as well as it could, what. And just trying to see it from the other side of of the of the stage, I guess, about how we can oh oh, there's a good opportunity there to do X Y Z, or you know, always about just kind of as Melissa says, improving to the next show, from the next show to the next show, and um and that rapport that we had initially that Melissa talked about and that has grown with every show is so important because I think we've had one actual like pre-show rehearsal ever at any at any gigs like with the three of us and that's before that first one I think this came a week before so we could run the songs but we generally because of the locations we do a lot of uh, a lot of solo practice and rehearsal at home and then we kind of come together and we we already have that connection that doesn't take long to slip into and we know that we can trust each other and that it will all just kind of click back in when we get together and, and that is something that um, Melissa 
had a quite difficult job with coming into something that Oliver and I felt like we could, um, we anything could happen on stage, and the other one would kind of cover cover for it, and it would work out. It would work out well. And um, Melissa, I you know I don't envy how hard that might have been to try and come into something that, especially when it's a two as well. If it was a bigger band, then it's maybe a bit easier to add another piece. But she's absolutely done that now, and um, and there are times, admittedly, because I'm running samples um, as well as doing some live instrumentation. But the samples are the backing tracks of the drums, and there are some times when a bit repeats that shouldn't repeat or cuts out when it shouldn't cut out. And, you know, but going on the fly, there've been shows when um, my wife has, has said afterwards, I love what you did at that bit where you cut the drums out and you all did a cappella harmonies. And I said, I just forgot to hit the button. And we just all did the harmonies <laughs> just there without, without looking phase and then kind of come back in. And it's like that, that stuff, you know, y- you can practice that into you, but also if you've got a connection already and you kind of feel in sync, then you can tune into that quite quickly when you get together. Yeah, it keeps things fresh in a way, though, and a little bit exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree. I, I, my experience is, is is like the opposite, where we would rehearse every week, and a lot of the time we rehearse, and we didn't need to rehearse, and then it almost became a bit of a kind of not a day job, but a part time job. Whereas the way you guys do it, you kind of you're going to be looking forward to it. It's going to be unique. It's going to be it's it, by the sounds of things, you you always you've got all these different things happening. And I love the idea that you reflect afterwards as well, because you can have those happy accidents, as you say, like with the harmonies, and you can reflect on those afterwards. And I love the fact you record and reflect as well, which is brilliant. And I, I totally agree with that. I think it's a great thing to do rather than just put it to bed and move on. Because yeah. I think as this, I'm, I'm a trained teacher, so I go into like reflective yeah, yeah, practitioner yeah, mode. Yeah. Um, but when I was teaching, yeah, when I was teaching, I don't anymore. I'd always reflect on what it was that went well and didn't go well in a lesson. And it's the only way you can move forward. One question I do have with regards to the chemistry then. So you mentioned confidence and trust. Would you say those are like the two things that really underpin the, the chemistry you have? Or are there other aspects as well that really bring that pentacolumist chemistry together on stage? Oh, that's a good it's question. Because I remember coming to Dan's house for the first ever time. Um, and me and I'd spoke, well, actually, I'd met Oliver a handful of times, but... I would say that we were very much acquaintances. So I would say the relationships between me and Dan and me and Oliver, they all started pretty much from like a virtual, like an online basis where we would just message. The first time I ever spoke to Dan, it, it was me messaging to say, I really, I really love the track. Like, thank you so much. And, and he sent me um, like a preview link to the album. Um, but it was all very... Um, you know, and you're messaging someone you don't know, so you don't really, like, know. Um, or you just, you're very formal. Mm. Um, and um, I remember being nervous because then when I first met Dan and Oliver, again, in person, that wasn't until a few months later. And there was that kind of, um, how is this, is this going to be a really awkward day? What if I need to cut it short? I'll check the train times just in case and I'll have an excuse ready just in case this is, like just not working or whatever um but thankfully like there there was none of that and um it was honestly it was like meeting people that I'd like always always known it was like meeting school friends although I never went to school with them but it was there was just a really kind of low stakes Mm. chilled environment and I think that has just continued to always be the case and we all have kind of we share the same humor and um, that's what it is like how like we're all basically just like really silly 
Really that's silly. That's what helps. Like, we're all like the same kind of person, so like we all like get along so well. That really helps. Like be on the yeah. stage. Yeah, there's no filter. There's no worry about oh how am I coming across or oh like, yeah, it's really chill. It's yeah, it's like meeting up with like your cousins or something. <laughs> I think it's good as well that we all kind of realise that we play quite a specific role in in the band. Um, and and I may have mentioned this last time. But um, but we we want this approach when we when we're on stage and when people see us and they know us that we're quite we're like a unified one front. So some tracks Oliver sings lead, some tracks Melissa sings lead on. I don't do anything in uh, um, in lead anyway. And but on stage, the three of us have different energies, but we're all in a line as a as as a one kind of piece. And and I quite like the idea that you've kind of got. Um, different characters you might have a favorite one like people had a favorite beetle back in the day and that's kind of like the idea i want people to kind of have to dip into our personalities and we've kind of used that um the way that we the way that our stage dress is um initially we all dressed quite differently um on stage but then we've kind of tweaked that into dressing how we would like to dress but with some sort of cohesive um cohesive idea behind it which for the last few shows has been the full head to toe blacks um black sequin outfit so it's dressing how we would before i always wear a biker jacket and fingerless gloves on stage and oliver's generally in a bomber jacket so we got him a, a there's a bomber jacket that's black sequins and i've got a black sequin biker jacket and black sequin gloves and melissa's in some incredible two-piece um flary ensemble that uh that you know it's just that I would it, never it, that's been really helpful to, to bring us together <laughs> That's part of the fun, though, isn't it? Um, so it's, yeah, bringing us We're together like in, in that way girls. and knowing that each of us kind of do a different role. <laughs> Brilliant. That's going to be a great soundbite for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So would you say then, um, with, that being, with that in mind, are there then like three front people for the band then? Three front, I don't know yeah. what the correct terminology is, front men, front We're person? We're just all holding people. hands at, at the front. <laughs> yeah. I tend to do a lot of the talking at live shows because it's hard once. I mean, I'm uh, I'm generally weirdly quite quiet in situations, but when I feel like I'm kind of in my element, then it's wind me up and watch me go. And so I think on stage, I tend to blab on quite a bit with some uh, inane chatter between the tracks. But part of that has been quite open in building our relationship with other audiences, I think. Like, we are fun yeah. and we are silly and, and, and we do take what we do seriously, but we don't stand on the stage and, and pretend that, that we are anything other than we are. And for better or worse, no. you know, sometimes uh, we, we talk about we talk about mental health at shows as well in a way that doesn't seem to flatten the party. It's about just kind of acknowledging that, you know, certainly post-COVID, some people struggle being anxious in in gig environments and so we try and make it quite open and tell people where they might want to go if they need a break or how what the running order is and we send set lists to people if they want to know that information and uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD last year and on the tour I, I made a point of um, talking about that a little bit before we went into a song that I felt quite you know connected with me and and my struggles with that and you know we it's so lovely to look out in the crowd and see these kind of connections and people smiling at us between the tracks um and we all pick up. Melissa and I did some pretty bad uh, improv comedy on the tour as well. By the last show, we were just the back and forward between us was really odd. I don't know what was in us, but it was yeah. it was really fun. And, you know, that's just <laughs> discovering, discovering again our roles. So. So, yeah, I, w- I would say that there's three there are three front people. Um, and I think we, we try and put that message across when we're on our socials and things as well. But uh, but we all know that we couldn't do. 
I think we need all three of us now. I know Oliver and I did it before, but all three of us are Pensacola missed in an e absolute equal measure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say from what I've seen, I, I would totally agree. Yeah, everyone is so involved. Like, if if people ever say to me, like, oh, um, sorry, I like, because like I said on some of the tracks, like I take the lead, but sometimes, um, Oliver will take the lead. But if you know, maybe friends of mine have maybe only heard one or two songs that like I've like posted and they're like oh so you're like the lead singer and I'm like no 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 I'll <laughs> stop you there we are like everyone is so vital that um you know even on the there like there is no track that would be complete without like any of us anymore which is why even when we're doing collaborations or anything like that um you know it's it's all of us all together all the time yeah, and um, it's a nice little segue here, actually. I did have another question, which I'll come back to, but you mentioned collaborations then, and uh, it brings up, because I'm going to hark now to episode 90, which goes live at the point of this recording on Tuesday with the Martin Brothers. So you did a, co a collaboration with the Martin Brothers, and I remember having that conversation with the with the gentleman on the podcast, and they were talking about how they've been back and forth with yourself, Melissa, and then it just transpired that all three of you got involved. So that kind of like echoes totally what you said there, then, which is amazing. And from what I can see from the mu the song itself and the video, it I don't know it, it it wouldn't obviously it wouldn't have been the same song anyway because it wouldn't have been all three of you. But I think having all three of you there just makes it just yeah. It just as soon as I saw it, I was like, I've got to listen to this. And how I hadn't heard it before, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but no, that kind of echoes exactly what you said there. And um, audience listening, do go check out episode ninety as well. I'm doing another episode drop. Um, this is probably the only time I've ever done two in in one podcast episode, which is amazing. <laughs> and Martin Brothers are such amazing, kind, funny, brilliant people. Mm -hmm. Awesome, everything they do as well. They kind of share a vision, much like again we talked about last time, where I think that music can be more than the music, and that part of something, part of part of the music culture for a lot of people is that it is this other otherworldly thing and and you know that's where celeb comes in and people love seeing a celeb and we are not ever going to be celebs and we say as much we're just, you know we're we're just silly normal people but the the full package is is i feel really important and how mm -hmm. the story is told visually as well as through music and they've got that you know obviously absolutely to a t and their visuals are stunning and their look is in incredible and um when we met them they were just so 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 kind and funny and like mm -hmm. Again, we just like fitted together so well. So, you know, that's that's just like that shows you the, the amazing things of the Internet when you can pull together from, you know, other countries and then come together on one really cold February morning and go up, uh, go up the side of uh, a mountain in the Isle of Skye for 13 or 14 hours, yeah. freeze your fingers off together and, and, and uh, become friends from it. Yeah. Whilst getting sunburned at the same time. <laughs> did you really? I did ask him the question of where it was filmed. I immediately went with the States and I realised like getting everybody, flying everyone over to the States <laughs> would be, and then they, they quickly corrected me and said it was the Isles of Sky, right? Yeah, Isles of Sky, yeah. Yeah, it's a great video. So audience, do go go check that out. In fact, I'll put it in the episode notes. In our in our live album launch video, which is the full thing, uh, last year we launched our album Lost in Love and then we put a, a live gig up um, on YouTube the week after and we had little commercials in between it, you know, to break up the flow a bit and show a little bit of some of the other archive stuff we had. There's a real short two minutes video in there about like behind the scenes of us shooting that music video, which is which is quite fun. Um, so either check that out on the Aztec YouTube channel if anyone's interested. Lost in Love, Pensacola Mist, live album launch. It's in there. But actually, I think I might pull it out of there too and put that up on our channel too soon because it's real fun to see us mm. um, 
trying it's to do that so behind the scenes. Silly. The first time I watched it, is, it yeah. I was just like, we like we couldn't be any more different. I guess from what we perceive when we're on stage or in the sequence, and we've got the lights, and it's just you know this big production. And then when you see us like behind the scenes, messing around in the car, and you know looking up directions and buying meal deals on the morning of a music video, it's <laughs> it's quite it's quite a break. But I think it's nice. I think it's like relatable. They're the two worlds um, we're trying to bring together now, I think. And that's something that's yeah. changed over the last year, I think, since we even did that video last February, is that we are trying to put those two together. We want to present as professional, but we also absolutely want you to know who we are. Um, and so it's trying to, how do you bring those two really silly parts together with the um, with the kind of like shiny, oh, you've got to see this band. Yeah. They're really polished. Like, how do those two worlds exist together? Yeah, we always want to be approachable. Mm, it's it's uh it's it can sometimes be a tricky line or boundary and know where the boundary is because I I do the same with the podcast in terms of like how much because you want to give a sense of like being personable and approachable and showing like who you are, but in the same at the same time you still have to have that level, don't you? Whereby you don't want to go too far and then. I don't know, become a, a not a caricature, but like you don't want to take it too far. I know where that line is and I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I remember when I was in a band as well, we would do behind the video, behind the, not behind the music, behind like behind the scenes shoots for videos. But there would always be these insider jokes right, that yeah. no one ever got, <laughs> uh, I'd find. And then like we did the same on stage and going back to what you said earlier about how were you having that back and forth on stage, I remember doing that. And it would always be insider jokes and then no, no right. one would really get them. I'd be like, mm. oh, we'll just move on to the next song, lads. This isn't going down well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. You've got to find that, that boundary, haven't you? And like with social media as well, it's... And I find the different platforms as well. You've got to, you've got to tailor yourself to what platform you're on, which can be a pain in, in its own right as yeah. well. So yeah, if yeah. you're promoting something on TikTok, it's got to be done a certain way to get an audience and then Instagram and all these other platforms and then YouTube. It's it's racking your brains around mm -hmm. that can be quite tricky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one question, because I realized we're at 37 minutes already um, that I've got here, which I think would be a really pivotal question for the audience listening, um, for those who wanted to sort of go and take their music live. Are there any tools or resources that really do help sort of propel and take the Pensacola Miss live show to the next level? What would be like something you've maybe found recently or something that you could not do without, apart from obviously the instruments that you play, but are there any tools or resources that really do oh, help you yeah. um, sort of have that A1 sort of live show? We, so technology has gotten so much more affordable over the last decade, 15 years, certainly, uh, um, you know, from going from my first early band days of recording practices and gigs on a dictaphone I bought from Argos and it was really, really terrible sound quality and I would insist on listening back to it. And I still have those files and if they come up on shuffle, they just like break, break your ears. But I was doing it with that. And then through the years, you know, Max and GarageBand and free software and upgrading from GarageBand to Logic as we figure out what we're doing with our recording studio and upgrading from the Focusrite Scarlet as an interface onto the studio live desk that we've got. And, you know, these things can happen incrementally, but even at the very base level, the technology is there at, you know, at, at something that you can afford to kind of pull together. Um, or as, if you're in a band, you can band together. Oliver and I put some cash injection into the band at the very start to kind of help. But it, on, the, on the big scheme, the money was not anywhere near as much as I would have thought for the impact that it had. So for us, it's with the lights and the way that we sample and approach our live shows, um, 
a long story I've told a million times, so I'll keep it super brief, but that we didn't have a drummer. So we we thought, well, we can't do live shows. We really wanted someone who would actually connect and gel in the way that the three of us do now. We couldn't find someone um, that was kind of as committed to that idea or that we felt was the right fit. So we thought, well, I guess we'll not do shows. Found out churches did drum machines for 10 years and thought, well, let's do that then. We've already written some 80s style songs. Let's see if we can embrace that a little bit more, use more of the synths, keep the guitars, but use more of a synth element. Bought Ableton and uh, Launchpad, record all the samples in Logic, export them into stems for basses and drums and leads and bells and um, even back in vocals sometimes just to pad out some of the some of the bigger choral parts. Um, put that into Ableton and then we can do that live with our live instrumentation and live singing on top of it. But that missing element was some sense of movement. That's when we discovered I could get some lights, get a DMX box and program our own lights um, using MIDI automation in Ableton. And I mean, I don't have a background in any of this, but I am through ADHD or whatever. I'm very inquisitive and I'm very stubborn about if there's something I want to do, I'll find a way to do it. So we bought all the lighting kit. We sat down, I sat down and looked at it and tried to make it work. I couldn't get the lights to do anything. And I thought, oh, I've wasted a lot of money here and I've gone way too, you know, way too deep with it. But again, stubborn, many, you know, through the nights um, to, to kind of program the lights. And and there, that was the last piece that meant that we could do the show. So from, from our first show, Oliver and mine, we had the lights from the very first. The diamond that's behind us has been with us since, the, since day one. And again, incrementally, that's gotten bigger. And we have more and more and more lights now at our shows. But it's the technology there to fill in the missing blanks for us that made such a difference um, and actually has helped us in so many ways that I couldn't have predicted in terms of um, how, um, I guess, our our unique approach to live stuff. And it's a little bit harder to, te- to sell someone on coming to see a, a, live, a live band that doesn't have a drummer, but, you know, in, in synth and, you know, the sample pads and things. And, and it's not it's not very, very unusual, but I still feel like we try and take that and say, well, let's try and do something that you haven't seen then. It's not a lesser than version. It's something different. And it's in other ways it's elevated. And um, so to answer the question, there's tech now pretty much to do anything that you feel that you need it to do. So if you if you think that there's a reason you can't do something, it's more about finding what the answer is and what, what the solution is to make it possible. So not just saying, oh, well, I guess we can't and we're a bedroom producer band and we're going to just release stuff for streaming and never play a show. It was looking out there, seeing what's out there. And, and most of the times, there's an app or there's a plugin or there's a bit of kit and and it's it's all there so like don't just shy away from doing something because you don't have the instant answer or the or the more conventional answer it it does yeah and i find it with mixing and music production in general as well if there's something i need invariably i'll i'll scour the internet and i'll find it um no no it's a great answer so off the back of that you mentioned there like if you if you if you come to a situation whereby you've identified a problem that you need to solve. Is there something that doesn't or you haven't found yet that you feel you would need to take and propel the, the live show forward again? Um, well, our uh, when it came to the, to the, to the lights, we, uh, we actually, there's no, there's no one still. I can't find anyone online doing the lights in the way that we do it with MIDI automation. If there are, which I presume there will be somewhere, there's no document of that online. We had to find a different way around doing it. Um, 
So, I mean, I put so much into that and making that kind of work. It's like, what's the next, what is the next evolution of that? What does it look like? Is it more lights or is it different? Is it pixel strips? And do we kind of rechange it and do everything again? But, um, but yeah, uh, Melissa, you did, did you have something on that one that you think we need to, to take to the next step? Well, we, we've been speaking, um, so for, for the last couple of shows and the shows that we did for the tour um, and at the Clooney, we've had, um, we've always had a sound engineer at the venue, which has been great because like I said, the rehearsal time we have is usually the day of the show. And so we just do a very extended sound check, but that also gives us time to find any technical faults or actually find out what the technical fault for that day is going to be because there's always one and it's always usually something new um and it's usually always my microphone mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the the constant feedback that we that we get because um I, I I guess my voice isn't all that powerful and so um in order to put across um the tracks in the way that that they are on the album um it's very hard to sing them in the same way and have the same impact um so i usually just have to be turned up as loud as possible so for for tracks like like the dying light it's very like low-key and very quiet but i can't kind of just stand there and belt it out because it would just totally take away from the whole vibe of the track <laughs> but we did speak about um looking into like in-ear monitors um and things like that in the hope of trying to um resolve that issue i think some of that issue comes from um being over over um trying to do a lot with the tech and actually when it works it works yeah. really well but Melissa, what Melissa's saying there if we don't have a techie which sometimes we don't have because generally all the sound comes through our Ableton for our live show um I've included trying to be probably too clever with it I've, I've included patches for vocal effects so when Oliver is singing lead his mic is automated to be louder and if uh if there's a big background part, then there's, you know, we can turn up all the reverb through patches. So every part of every song has a patch and that way we can make it really sound exactly like the recording. So if there's a very specific delay that comes in at one part of a song, that's triggered automatically when we're playing through the tracks and that, you know, we can add that in. The, the downside to that is that if any of those bigger reverbs or echoes want to cause any feedback, then than they do. And so when when we, it's just us, we tr- we have to spend a lot of the day just trying to find the sweet spot and EQing out any of those those peaks that are coming through and causing those loops. Um, so it's been nice to take away from some of those issues because that's maybe, maybe we don't need to sound exactly like the album in that respect. And maybe, uh, maybe you know, you just put on the, the, the track itself if you needed to do that. So we've got a general uh, list that we give to techies in venues that say, it's like a, a techies um a techie set list with this track is Oliver's on lead mid reverb so it's just like a, a gentle guide that they can look at or if they want to or they can ignore if they want to kind of do their own thing by ear too but um that's been brilliant for us because it's just stopped so many of those troubleshooting you know trying to sound check I'm jumping down off on the, the, the floor to hear the sound and getting back on the stage and it's just um uh, DIY, I've got a lot of time for DIY musicians and people that, that want to um, kind of just take on as much as they can. But I also think that there, there comes a point where you actually, there are people that really know what they're doing and you should just 
pay them to come there and be there and, you know, save 100 quid doing our own sound or pay someone 100 quid to do the sound. And that is absolutely the better option to go with. But I did have a question written here, which was, do you have a, a sound engineer, uh, a live sound engineer that sort of come, travels around with you or, or a, a lamp, as they call it in the industry, with the lights and stuff? Uh, but by the sounds of things, what you've done is you've sort of combined, you've got the the automation side of things with with Ableton and the, the MIDI triggering. And then you've got the the sort of checklist that you give to the in-house engineer. So you've sort of solved that problem by using those two options there. But I know what you mean with a sound engineer. And if they know your music, because I've, I've worked with one in the past, they know what the subtle nuances are and they can do it on the fly because you're going to have that human element. Yeah, so. of course. But in saying that, AI is only going to, is only becoming more sort of prevalent in our in music, in, in content creation, in, in just everything. So I think... I don't know. This is the first time I've actually thought about it now in terms of AI live sound. I'm trying to say, trying to not talk about it because I think that's one that could turn into a massive thing. So if there's not been a producer's pub about that, then mm. there's, you know, there's another opportunity to get everyone's thoughts and all that because AI in terms of art is something we've put a stance on saying that we won't use. And it, it was controversial more than I expected, actually. But um, we, we had said that we won't use AI generated artwork for any of our artwork that we do. We'll either create ourselves or we'll commission an artist to do something um uh but the tools are there and they're just going to become more prevalent as you say so where do i where do we draw the line because we feel quite strongly about that now you know but the whole world will be totally different and at what point do we do we kind of inevitably have to kind of bow to some of it but i'm going to be quiet on that because there's a again you could talk about that with a bunch of people for eight hours straight yes, i think yeah oh 100 percent, 100 and um yeah, it's it's interesting, and I regularly have conversations with people with regards to AI because I can see the benefits in some respects of, of where you can use it. Um, ChatGPT, for example, but on the flip side, yeah, there's there's I don't know. It's very scary. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna get to the point whereby you're like, who is the best pro- like who's the best prompter? So no longer <laughs> are you sort of like the best artist. Uh, draw singer songwriter it's like who can prompt the best who can prompt ai the best that might be a very sort of um watered down way of putting it but yeah it's yeah interesting but like you said you could have a conversation about all the different facets of ai for <laughs> for, for eight hours or so um folks i really like yeah, yeah yeah um we're, we're pretty much at the end now so i thought it'd be a great opportunity um for you guys just to sort of drop where our audience can find you online if they if this is the first time they're sort of discovering you and uh, if you've got any key dates or, or live shows or anything coming up in the uh, near future or further future. Um, so in terms of where you can find us, um, we're probably most active on our Instagram, uh, which is at Pentacola underscore mist. Um, but we also, um, we have so much content on our YouTube channel, uh, which again is just Pentacola mist. Um, and you'll be able to find, you know, lots of music videos um, and, I'm yeah all the live shows um and I imagine we'll probably do more like behind the scenes bits because they're so funny Mm. um uh, we are on Facebook too and we're um we're dipping our toe into the TikTok scene now although that's a whole other ball game but that's just the same at Pensacola Mist fantastic I'll put links to all of that in the in the in the show notes as well sorry Dan go ahead we have in terms of in terms of release dates or anything like that we don't have um, any any big shows coming up at the moment uh, we will be 
getting into our Halloween shows, which uh, every year we do a big Halloween party and the audience are absolutely incredible. This is in the home, uh, in our hometown here. And they, um, and they always go the extra mile with their costumes and the atmosphere is incredible. And this is our fifth year of doing that. So we'll be getting into, into planning for that. And um, I think that we're going to try and take that on the road um, because that would be really fun to... We've got five years worth of Halloween style covers and instrumentals. We've done synth versions of all sorts of horror themes that we do at these nights. So it might be a real nice time with the fifth year to take that to a couple of cities, just a weekend's worth. So it might be Newcastle and Edinburgh, but keep an eye out for that. And uh, uh, I think that'll be really fun. But uh, before that comes um, our um, single that we uh, collabed with Sunglasses Kid on that comes out on the 14th of July. Um, that track's called Dead, Dead and Night and it's... Um, it's one that we worked on quite a long time ago now, but you know these things can take mm. some time, um, and it's yeah a, a really lovely track. We really we really really like it, and so we're excited to um, yeah. to get that out there. Um, he uh, sunglasses kid actually put it on a little bit of that on one of his reels on Instagram, and uh, it was great to hear such positive comments about that track there and. We've been getting lots of Tyler questions Lyle since then about it. when's it coming out. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. So that's another step. That's another step. Yeah. So, so yeah, that comes out on July 14th. And yeah. there's, there's seven touch yeah. points. This also, this also stemmed from a very cheeky DM with sunglasses, kid. <laughs> so, you know, well, you go, it work works again. sometimes. No, it's, it's how I got them on the podcast. I just sort of uh, just reached out and um, I can't remember if I did an audio. I, I use audio messages all the time, though, but this might have been pre that. And it was the same. I was just like, do you fancy jumping on? And um, managed to get him on. Uh, it was a great chat. He's he's a funny, funny guy. Um, funny guy, yeah. Ed. He's, uh, I'm fairly certain he's got a history in comedy, if I remember <laughs> rightly. Oh. To him. I can't remember. But I did see his reel with you guys, um, which um, looked really, really cool. So I'll uh, I'll put that in the show notes because this episode will be live before then. But I'll do it retrospectively. Oh, thank you. No, fantastic. Awesome. Um, Daniel, Ollie and Mel, big thank you for today. Um Thanks, Thanks for joining for me again. Us, it's yeah, been a yeah. pleasure to have all three of you on and catching up with yourself, Dan. And um, I'll keep I'll keep an eye on what's what's happening in the future. And obviously that that song with Sunglasses Kid. And um, at some point, I will venture up to Scotland. Yes, we will invite yeah. you. We will book a gig. We will we will get you there for a weekend and we can have a we'll big have gathering. A Maybe it's our That'd be brilliant. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. I'm, I'm sure I could I could drag some others along with me as well. We so that'd be great fun. We go to N64. Yeah, I've been to one of those in Manchester. Yeah, there's one in great Edinburgh. Fun. But no, a live podcast. I've been toying with that idea right. for a while. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll get on it. I'll get my notepad out and we'll, we'll figure out this, this all day synth day, and uh, we'll get that tour in. <laughs> but thank you so much again for asking us back. No, no, it's my pleasure. It's my, you got me thinking now. I could have like a little booth and just have people in and interview them um, if they're performing. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. well, we'll get on a my stage. But no, no, I'll. Uh, I'll <laughs> yeah that's a conversation for off air but no once again a huge thank you and um i will catch up with yeah, you all take soon care now see you thank you thank you just a friendly reminder before you go don't miss out on your free test master at synth music mastering imagine enhancing your music with my dedicated commitment to quality and that personalized touch and guess what it's absolutely free of charge to so claim your free test master now at synthmusicmastering.com or click on the link in the episode description